0: Welcome back to Where Others Won't and Volume 5 of the Tough Stuff series. This episode is my early Christmas present, an interview with Scott Robertson. After four seasons in charge of the Crusaders rugby franchise, Robertson boasts four super rugby titles and an 86% win record. If we were to do a global power rankings of head coaches Razor, as he's known, would surely have to be considered somewhere in the top five. Robertson is a captivating figure in the coaching community. He breakdances, he surfs, he's an avid learner and connector of people, and he's also dyslexic. This episode is with someone that I've wanted to have on where others won't since day one. Enjoy my conversation with Scott Robertson. Scott Robertson, welcome to Where Others Won't.
1: Thanks for having me. Been a while. You've been tracking me, you've been hunting me down. Go to heaven, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have. It's It's been a while coming, but um, no, this is great, mate. Like I, I said to you beforehand, probably the most recommended person to try to get on the show. So glad we could finally make it work and find a time. Let me dive in with this because this has kind of been the, the opening question to this season of episodes on this show is if I say the tough stuff to you about head coaching and specifically the head coaching role, where does your mind go without me kind of prompting you the tough stuff?
1: Uh, Making calls on team selection. uh, You know, post game when you're, you're thinking about what to say if you, you've had a game that hasn't gone too well or one of your players has been sort of badly injured uh, you know, I had a few of my own my own career so I'd just have those thoughts and pictures in my head, you know, with you know my TD operations um, or I had 15 operations in the end but then you probably reflect back to what you know, that player's going through and then you're thinking, how can I help? What's my next conversation with them? Uh, tough stuff. Missing out in the all back job. Uh, thinking, you, you know, you, you put your heart and soul into it and you, you see yourself in that role. Um, that tough stuff, you know, around the family and asking a thousand why so you didn't get it and what happened <laughs> over the next uh, few months. But then you just you sort of put it in perspective and um, draw on your past experiences and, um, you know, you've sort of become, oh, you so see, it's going to be okay and you're sort of grateful for things um, and, you, and you move on.
0: Yeah, let's double click into a couple of those because I, I think you've hit on a couple that we don't often really talk about, like even the, the selection one um, and how, I guess almost, the word is almost traumatic. It is for coaches. Like it, it is incredibly tough when you have a squad of guys or girls that you, you care so deeply about and you have to leave someone out or you have to not start someone or you have to make a tough call and, you know, put someone in. Um, and I know Guardiola is the one that I've heard talk about this a lot. He's like, that's the hardest part of coaching for him. He hates, you know, having to name that 12th person, the one that doesn't start first. Yeah, how do you get through that? now, because it is something that we, we never talk about, but it is really, really hard.
1: Yeah, it's I'm, again, sort of reflecting as a player uh, you know, I had a couple of big finals that I'd love to have played in, or you know, went to a Rugby World Cup as an All Black, um, and never I played one, I played about 10 minutes against Italy, scored a try but, <laughs> to make it 103 <laughs> in or something, but uh you, you sort of get to know and understand how you feel. So you sort of have those conversations with players that all those learnings are like, oh, I want to use my learning that I had so I can connect with them and understand the emotional side or that person, how they would like to be talked to, you know, if it's going to be clear, simple messages, get on with it, you know, or a little bit more deeper and understanding a lot more of the why they haven't been selected. And you create, um, and that's part of building relationships as coaches, understanding your players and what, you know, those are tough conversations. And what Crockett's the prime one for myself, 202 games for the Crusaders. It's the final, Um, we're playing. Hugweed is his final game, and 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 we didn't select them for a few reasons. Oh man, I couldn't sleep for a couple of nights. Um, We prepared extremely well during the week. you know, I just felt like that was the right thing for the team and just a simple rule of thumbs or heuristics that you come back to that as coaches. You go, well, this is what I think is right and that helps you make those decisions because um, you want competition. You want them fighting tooth and nail to start. You want, that's what wins championships, deep squads that care deeply, that will um, do pretty much more than whatever it takes to, uh, where, where others won't <laughs> there we go <laughs> um, and so they, everyone cares and so having that conversation for the right thing which is, is the best thing for the team that's where it comes back to mm-hmm.
0: and you mentioned there missing out on the all blacks job but the, where you went immediately was was to your family so just yeah. like talk, talk me through that process as well because again part of what I don't think a lot of people understand is the, is the knock-on effect to family. So, you know, the knock-on effects, you know, dealing with the media is one thing, for instance, but what we don't really hear about is the knock-on to having your kids read the newspaper or watch on television or your wife
1: or social media,
0: <laughs> social media, more, you know, like uh, generation. I, I talked to Andy friend every, every couple of weeks and we're talking about, you know, he's moved into his nineteenth house in twenty five years, like that's a a toll for a family to get through. Yeah, and and so yeah, like just talk talk me through what what that process was for you, because obviously, like this is a big deal in 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 your world. You're a New Zealander. Uh, you, you used to play for the All Blacks, and so um, I'm, I'm sure yeah. it was tough to deal with.
1: Yeah, as I mentioned, you know, I, I went not put my heart, soul into it, and and with my planning and into that interview process and um, the way it was formulated was, it was sort of hit to head and uh, you, there was a lot of hype it felt like an election you feel like you're right amongst everyone's got an opinion on it uh, everyone's waiting <laughs> for the outcome and then you you miss it and you uh, so you're just a natural Emotions, disappointment, then you sound a bit frustrated. Could I have done it a little bit better? Um, you know, you could bring your coaching group that, that came with you and you let them know and say thank you to them. And then you just sort of, because um, you've got two clear plans, you know, you're going to leave your country and you're going to win a rugby world cup. Um, so, your whole mind, all your energy is going that way. It has to. With your either, right? You're either in there, you're in. Right. There's, there's no guessing or doubting yourself. And then then you miss it. And then you're like, it's oh, going to be all right. But you just don't have the thoughts to create the other way of, look, I'm trying to get half full again here. How can I bring it back around? Your kids, it's going to be okay. So, you're trying to be a role model and you're very strong. And, you know, I'm happy to say I a few tears and just laid on the bed as a family all of us and we, uh, not much was said um, and then you sort of just create a, um, it just you create some language and your thoughts in your head that, okay, well, what's my next opportunity now? I'm back to the Crusaders, I love them. You know, this guy won four championships in a row, which we fortunately did, you know. So my energy and my target went to that place, and then all your loved ones give you messages, messages that fills you up, and you feel good again. You know, you feel, yeah, that's going to be all right. And you know, my three young boys that I've got, you know, maybe the next time I get it, they're a bit older. Um, so you do a little bit of justifying yeah, <laughs> that they're going to be a better age, and um, I'm going to be a better coach, and I'll get back there whenever it is, or do and, or do I have to go overseas and coach? But there's one thing about being a coach, you, you realise that's going to be a part of it. Not quite 19 houses in 25 years, but, you know, playing in France and on and playing in Japan, you know, I got to understand how global the game is and how fickle it can be and how great it can be.
0: Let's talk about your, your kind of life with the Crusaders. Yeah, very successful organisation over a long period of time. And kind of should be in the, the global conversation, I think, in terms of who we should be looking to for ideas. But even within that, like <laughs> when you Google you, there's stories about one, the breakdancing, obviously, which gets a mm-hmm. lot of coverage, but you're off surfing as well and, and creating time for yourself to think and recharge. So what does that do for you? The, the ability to kind of get out you know, in the middle of the season and, and have a surf and kind of lose yourself in the waves.
1: Yeah, look, it's great. Water's an awesome way to think. You, you become quite subconscious because you, your body just goes with it. So i will a lot of my decision making or, or, or a lot of my ideas come to me, a lot of my stuff. Not, like if I I'd stand up, pedal, surf, so supping so you know like i'm out to sea away from anything no distractions you're looking back on the world it's a unique perspective that you get as a surfer and you know so you know make time i was out in the water at six o'clock this morning you make time for yourself to um create um a real healthy um, mindset and like i said you make solutions and either if i don't you know i'm not supping i'll be swimming or I do a lot of yoga just to <laughs> give my give some love back to my body. and you know, I've taken a lot out of it over the years. And, you know, I'm a better person when I do that. Or even if I need to have a shower, just to make a decision. Those things will really help me uh, clear my mind. But you get a real routine. I exercise early every day. Um, I have for years. So uh, hungover or not, or... Um, probably, I give myself off one time a year, which is normally after um, a good night uh, celebrating a championship, and then then you sort of get back into it. But I think it's really healthy to sort of win that morning and get yourself sorted for the rest of the day. I just know I'm a better person for it. Um, really fortunate in the location and the environment that I live here in New Zealand, out in Sumner. Like I was brought up at the beach, Mount Manganui. You know, look, I sort of idolised a little bit of Led Hamilton in my time, just the way he's a little bit of a pioneer, and I just love the way his, his mindset, he thinks a little bit differently. Um, he, like, he likes to conquer things, and hence the here and the, it wasn't planned, but it's sort of that's the, the the way, like I perceive, I just like like guys and you know, themselves can be themselves really skillfully and understand who they are and how to get them best out of themselves, and to do that, you have to have routine over and over each day. And I'm not talking, I don't like heaps of water. I like chaos too, man. I I get bored quick. But (laughs) uh, um, you've got to have, yeah, like some water in your life.
0: Yeah. What stands out about that for me with you is that particularly over here, like we're still in the middle of kind of this like hustle porn lifestyle of like time away from the game, time away from thinking about football or basketball or soccer is, is, is treated as wasted time. Mm. And I've kind of been beating the drum the other way and saying that to your point that the clarity that things like surfing or yoga or a long run or whatever it may be, whatever your thing is brings to you um, is probably better than the extra hour watching game film. Cause they, they kind of reaches a tipping point with those, right?
1: Yeah, look, my role as a leader, my, I've got an incredible coaching group uh, that are really experienced. I trust them, you know, as assistants. Um, I've got a great you see, Colin Mansbridge, CEO and a general manager as well. We do a lot of work with the contracting and understanding where we're, we're heading as a game or sequencing um, in, our, in our culture. But my, my job is to bring all that collective intelligence together and lead them to get the best out of them uh, i uh, look really fortunate to have guys like Scott Henson's coach for Japan, Jamie Joseph, Aaron Goodman, who's um coach, he's a teacher as well. The coach was for Tasman, head coach Jason Ryan's just been back with, you know, Fiji um come through, builds great relationships and you know, we've had Ron Nogara, who's a, a genius in his own way, um, come in and, you know, the diversity of thought with, with Mark Jones as a Welshman. So to give you context, you know, we yeah, had you've got to trust them to go and do their jobs and roles but also bring the best out of them and bring all that stuff together and that's how i lead a lot and so you need time to think about it that's my point that yeah um those conversations you've had in the coaching room or in the corridor or things you've seen um oh, okay i understand you know the behaviors that, that have been warranted you know a bit of why why in the background and then you like okay, i need to have a coffee or touch base and, Um, And and that's a real art and the skill of a a head coach. The higher you go, um, like a Wayne Bennett for us, it's real huge. And probably a Belichick, you know, when you look at him, um, he's had a lot of staff come through and he gets the best out of them. He's probably clear what he wants to do, um, but it's the art of bringing it all together.
0: Yeah, again, that's another thing that I think is probably misunderstood more broadly in that, particularly the head coaching role has evolved heavily in the last 20 years. Right, yeah. like it's a to, to closer to probably a CEO to your point, where it's this coordination of all these different facets. And you know, twenty years ago, when 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 you were playing, I don't know how many how many assistant coaches did you have?
1: Probably one. Two coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two coaches. um You know, maybe third that comes as a bit of set piece. You know, now we've got five. We've got, we've got medical staff, s and C, and conditioning, and. You know, you're you up to third physio, doctor, and she's with another doctor. Like for us, it's comparative to the, um, the NFL, et cetera. It, 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 well, it's all relevant. You know, our squad's the 38. They've probably got 70. Right. Um, and our 70 now it's going to out a little bit more. But the, the quality of the science that comes with it, um, the expertise, you know, these players you're you, you trying to get better as much as you possibly can, so you need experts in those areas to get touch points through the week, and, um, and you need people, quality people. Yeah.
0: And I know you're an avid learner outside of the game too, and, and you spend quite a bit of your time you know, learning from other sports and, and disciplines. Where did that come from? Was that a natural thing for you to, you know, I know you're a bit of a different thinker anyway, but... Mm-hmm yeah how did that all come about? Because that's that's I mean I'm an Aussie rules coach living in Toronto, Canada. so my only option is to go to other sports. <laughs> There's no AFL yeah. conferences for me to go go and learn from. but where did it come from for you?
1: yeah it's it's important uh, you do get around, look at different environments, the different sports, you know, like obviously in the technical technical stuff, Um, how they can be delivered is something you look at, but the games might be different, but it's still trying to create the same environment where you can help your players get better and, you know, what's the language they use, the tools they use to to show it, you know, the environmental change, the instructional language they use, you know, what energy do they come in and use their personality, how do they get the best out of their players, what's their feedback, peer feedback, like what... You can go in a lot of different places on the teaching point of view, but you also look at the environment that is involved, you know, the, all, all the things that are on their walls, how do they put their messages across. The group is, a, is um, you know, the head coach, their philosophy, how they lead, how they lead their group. How, what was that was that framed by? Was it from other coaches that have come down, or do they play for that club, or they come from somebody else's you go into some places it's complete change of management. You know, someone's come in its first year, they've swept it and it's re-establishing, or you go to a, you know, Craig Bellamy in the storm, who's been there for a long period of time, period of time, that's had a massive amount of success, got his core principles he just sticks to and you know just just evolves slightly each year. So you're looking at all sorts of different things to spark your own thoughts. Yep, well, I can use that. It's a bit of gold, or siphon that out. Yep, I'll use that. Ooh, trying to if I can use that maybe one time. So that's what it all it is. You're enticing your thoughts and looking how you can actually use it. I'm a very practical person, so how can I use it? For my group or the Crusaders group to or myself personally to help us get better?
0: Yeah, that's the key, isn't it? It's that nugget of gold but then contextualising that nugget of gold. I think where, where a lot fall down is they just try to rip the whole thing out and just put it somewhere else and it, it never works like that. Right? Like You've got to contextualise it to your environment and, and make your environment better, not just try to take what Belichick does and just replicate that.
1: Yeah, and there's all there's all different people. That's the, the diversity of when you get around looking at the coaching, you know, the new generational coaches that come out that have come out of professional rugby or the professional sport gone into it just recently compared to a lot of the old rule of thumb philosophies in the old school. There's a place for both. And, you know, how do they unite and inspire the group? What cultural stuff do they, have they brought in to keep them connected from – so that um, this group feel like they belong here, you know. Like when you visit a place, it, it can come quite overwhelming. I, mean, I just, I'm, on a, I'm a mind map person, I just take little notes down um, and got a key central theme with it's culture and just sprout little words off that. That give me, um, I, I'm not a big writer, you know. I probably should have read write at school when I think back to it, uh, but just short, simple. Um, Blocks or messages or keywords. Just you know, look like, like a mind map structure. That's how I do my my learning. Dyslexic uh, le- uh, went back to school. It, it, uh, went to back to university as an adult student. So studied. Took me five years to get my degree. And it actually the degree was a side part. I can't even remember half the the papers I did. But um, it, it taught me how I learn um, and how I. Uh, how I finish or get through projects. And I sort of have three or four or five projects in off seasons that I go through. So that's what I go take back from my, what I learned at university.
0: Let's talk about that a little bit. So, you know, you started talking about this a little bit more now about being dyslexic and kind of what that has done for you or taught you, but like, I mean, it's still again it's it's hugely underappreciated like when when I was at school, we just used to call those people dumb unfortunately, like it you know poor people couldn't see words on a page and and we would just write them off right like so just put me in your in your eyes what what is it what does a page of writing look like for you like how does it impact you on a day to day basis
1: yeah so look. For example, if I'm just reading a, a sentence and it starts to get to 15, 20 words and I'll, I'll, I'll start to shape the sentence how I think it should be written. So <laughs> I might add a few words in or have variation and I'll look at it or things go back to the front on me. I'll get it out um, and if I practice it over and over, I'll get it. But I'm great. I'm, I'm a better orator, you know. I was better when I was um, school debating um, just give me a subject I'm away uh, so I use all my stuff as either a picture I talk to pictures so there's a lot of narrative stuff that we we'll do and draw the story out of the picture so if I do a public speaking event I'll talk to a picture that will tell a story and the storyline in my head might vary a little bit I'll get there in the end but I'm not constrained to what the words say and It's just easier. It's more natural for me. I'm way more authentic rather than reading a piece of paper that says this. Because I'm worried about making a mistake and become very um, mundane. uh, And and people switch off my tone changes. So I'm way better just freestyling. Like this here, I'm better in this context.
0: I think it's fascinating. One is that our job is to be a professional communicator. And so to have like one of those key pieces kind of taken away from you or you're not comfortable with that as, as the primary uh, way of communicating, I think is, is fascinating. But yeah, also the ability to then compensate with, like you said, you're, you're, a, you're a great orator. And if you listen to you speak, like the way that you can manipulate words in that forum is incredible. I spend my time listening to coaches from all around the world and you speak very differently.
1: Okay. Is it a good thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i would take that as a compliment.
0: <laughs> it is, mate. It is. Talking of learning, another guest on the show has been Stewie Lancaster and, and you and Stewie went through yeah. a project during the kind of downtime of COVID that I think people would be really interested in. So maybe just yeah. run us through how that came about and then, yeah, what you guys did and, and what you learned from it. Cause again, we're, I'm sitting in, in North America where it's like, don't share anything. Don't tell anyone anything. Just, you know, this is our playbook and we're going to keep it to ourselves. <laughs> you guys did kind of the opposite.
1: We did to an extent. So we reached out to Leinster, uh, Angus Gardner here, the manager of rugby reached out and said, look, can we put something together just to keep our minds together? You know, you have to, so six to weeks in, haven't had any rugby, you know, we're, um, we're looking to play Aotearoa, we didn't play, you know, New Zealand teams regularly, we know each other well, so we thought we'd go north. Uh, and we'll just have a, basically, war games. We'll play you, you play us, and you just tell us how you beat us, and we'll tell you how we beat you. And um, we just uh, uh, broke it down, like their game was built a little bit different to ours, they kick a little bit more, you know, just different philosophies. And then they'll just tell us, this is how old we would have attacked you. And like I said, we, we won by 10 points. Cody Button? <laughs> no, just joking, but we didn't. Oh, we, we, look, if it was in the heat, nice and hot day, you know, it would have probably come back to us. It was raining and wet, you know, you it know, would have had a massive bearing to the game. But jokes aside, it was um, just a great way of. Because they showed us how they planned their week, what they would have done, how they would have trained. So we got really deep, you know, like it was. Reflective it was actually quite time-consuming because we get together to the coaching group, you know, who would present this, how it would be done, you show them our fight plans, this is the moves that we would have used, this is why. So uh, we also did that with Saracen. So, look, they're not a different competition. Uh, there's, there's no reason for you to, you know, protect your IP in that regard. It's even more so a chance for you to just to share it. So this is what we would do. And then it becomes reciprocal. Everything they did was... was just laid it out there, because um, we opened it up, and then the key part of that was then going away with all the individual Pacific coaching groups. So, you know, Josh Ryan went with um, Robin McBride, who coaches, you know, to Fords, and they've still got a great relationship, still been talking away. So it created that real um, open discussion and a lot of depth and a lot of questions around it. We never get to do it normally, well, even as the first time we've
0: done it, it was awesome. Yeah, and that's the thing. And What I realised halfway through the COVID shutdown was just how rusty we were getting as a coaching group. And even me, like, I didn't blow a whistle for almost a year. Wow. Uh, and and that's even, you know, we had a couple of training camps. We were lucky, being a national team, that we could actually get together. But, yeah, that's a <laughs> it's a fascinating project to undertake. I think... Again, we can learn a lot from that and and hopefully teams can start to open up a little bit in those confined environments, obviously, and and trusted environments. Like you said, they're not – same sport, they're not rivals. Like you're very unlikely to ever play them unless they create something on the back of this. True. But but,
1: uh, (laughs) – which who knows? (laughs) 22 could happen, you know, that's the exciting thing about it. But, hey, look, you go and learn. If you do that, if you're going to give people some information out there, what – or your playbook, you know, next year you're just going to have to get better, evolve and grow and adapt with the trends because, you, you know, these you, things always evolve, you know, if defence changes, your attacker changes and, and vice versa and you've got a different squad and different skill sets and it just it, it makes you challenge yourself. you still got your core role and principles that you do, but it challenges you to evolve and go and... and, and and realize if someone's looking at that, I'll, I'll move forward.
0: Where to from here for you? Like, what what are you working on personally? Like, what's something that you're either trying to learn about, trying to conquer to get better yourself? Not the team specifically, but you as Razor.
1: Uh, We're doing a lot of stuff. So, when I took over the, the Crusaders group, um, we had a wealth of knowledge, you know, great players, a lot of All Blacks, and, you know, we refined our game immensely, and, and probably inside that was the leadership side of it and how I lead lead that group and, you know, Sam white for a start, Scott Barrett or Cody Taylor who's kept thinking it and how do I get the best out of my leadership group and bring all that information together so um, you can create... Not just the guy at the top, or who's coming through. You know, the the, the novice guys into into intermediate, the new guys that are coming into the environment. You know, their personal leadership. How do they get that right? So, I've worked really hard on myself, making sure I can get the best out of others. And you know, from an a um, you know um, sort of like an emotional intelligence point of view that I was talking about, understanding what they're saying, where they're coming from, but also that collective um, side of it. How I can bring it all together um, and 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 making sure I don't need to know all the answers, I can, uh, but now and again, I'm going to have to, so this is how it's going to roll when you make a decision to move on. So, uh, yeah, myself personally is keep trusting my own instinct, but also uh, growing others and getting the best out of the group. And, uh, you know, when I'm here, not one day, one day i set up the next coach to come through with a group of players that have developed and themselves as leaders and understand how to lead themselves, their peers in in their in their whole and lead their culture. Yeah.
0: What have you learned about yourself actually through kind of COVID? I was just talking of that emotional intelligence piece. What I was thinking there was a friend of mine just posted something on Twitter about how a lot of coaches that he'd been talking to had learned a lot about themselves by just being on zoom so much. So being able to see yourself talk, right? Like you, you start to see your own, well, you see your reflection, what you look like when people deliver good news, bad news, how, you know, how you lean forward, you've just leaned forward into your chair. Have you picked anything up about yourself either being on zoom or just as you've explored that process?
1: I use my hands a lot when I'm describing.
0: So do I. I've, I, it, you, I you won't be able to see me but I'm moving my hands all over the place.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and I, I uh, sometimes I'll reflect or I'll stutter at the start and then I'll get my momentum and i get away. Sometimes my train of thought takes a little while then I'm on the track, I'm in, I'm gone. So that's quite interesting. Sometimes it's better for me just to, to not start, so there don't, an um, and ah, mm. a bit more clearer thought when I actually actually start speaking. It's good luck. I've done a couple of podcasts, and what what has done is it makes you think way more deeply. Mm. Uh, people are asking you questions that you normally wouldn't. A lot of stuff where you're, you know, people are asking you, brainstorming around. tell me your philosophy around it so you have to articulate it pretty clearly you have to be able to say it in a way people understand it Uh, then people ask more questions about it as you have about myself and then so way more reflection time and we've done a lot more modelling so we put things in place off the back of it so it our own group or let's put structure around it so we don't have to Make it up every time we ask it. We actually know what we've come back to, and it's simple stuff. I'm not like you. I said before into a lot of words, and, and that's what COVID sort of taught us. You know, the the Zoom world, our our ability to think way more deeply because um, you just to ask way more questions.
0: And I think as well the just how different all the different communication styles, are. like Zoom is just so different to in-person, which is different to like a text message, which is different to an email. I, I, like that's, that's what it's rammed home for me is that the way that you communicate in each communication channel itself, all of them need to be dialed. What used to happen would be just, I communicated with them. I sent them a text. I communicated with the player. Yeah. Whereas maybe you didn't or maybe you, you did your part of the communication but it doesn't necessarily mean that it happened on the other end. True, yeah. Just one last question, mate. And talking of the deep reflection, I'm going to ask you about identity. You're a former player. You've played with the Crusaders, played with the All Blacks, transitioned into coaching. But, but who are you? Who is Scott
1: Robertson? Uh... I love being involved with groups that have a real clear purpose. So, I love um, the energy you get from being around people and that we're on when I want to remission. So, I, I pride myself on getting a real clear vision in, for a team and, and a mission. So, I like bringing it together, I like bringing people together of enjoying each other. That's what gives me my energy, Um, you know, wins or losses or, uh, you know, good times and, you know, frustrating times, you're together and you build relationships around it. So I'm a people's person, almost. I like the ability to connect in the diversity of groups. You know, you can have, All sorts of cultural backgrounds. Um, You know, you've got guys young as eighteen to you know thirty-seven in the group. So you're you're transcending a couple of generations, um, and you're dealing with you know from everything from the greater organisation here from the Crusaders. So I'm I'm a person that I I think if someone said to me, "Who's Scott Robertson?" He's, He's great at uniting people and inspiring them, and I've got my own way of doing it with my theming and, you know, my storytelling side of it. Uh, but I, probably in the other one, just a good bugger too. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's a pretty good one though, a good bugger. Actually, you mentioned theming there. I said it was the last question, but I'm going to go back on that. This is the last uh-huh. question. So this is this is for our uh, mutual mate, Andy. He asked me to ask you about the theming. Just tell us about that and kind of how you navigate the seasons and kind of the Groundhog Day of, of the seasons with you know the themes that you put in place. So I think that's really fascinating.
1: Yeah, is it bigger than northern uh, North America? I of. Yeah, yeah. I, when everything opens up, I'd love to come up and have a look at, at someone that does it really well, just to see what angle they are. I put, people want to have a motive connection. They want to see things, they want to see them self is doing well. Um, and feminine basically it's called the, the concept or the neurosciences around planting. So planting a picture of other people have done it or yourself and drawing a line back to that and saying this is where we're going, like that vision. So I think in the Bible it said people without a vision perish. And that's quite true because if you don't know where you're going, um, where are you going, you know, and, and so the ability to get a thread or a story, and we've done it on kings, and the kings that have, have reigned and done a real long period of time and used Ali, for a example, about how he dominated for a long period of time Then in nine years out of boxing. He came back and fought George Foreman and in the jungle and he obviously fought differently. George was bigger than him, stronger than him, went to rope-a-dope then came back and became heavyweight champion of the world. And Kershazan had won it for nine years and we did the same thing. We lost two heavyweight chins, championships like Ali had done. He obviously changed his slave name, Cassius um, reverted to um, reverted to Islam after four years in exile. So he had a lot of challenges, so we used that theme for our first year. and He became king of boxing again and we wanted to become king of super rugby again, and we did, so we've had a king's theme that's threaded from there. But the, the the point around it all is to give us, you know, that unites us that I started back with and inspires us to look at a story that um, somebody else has done and how hard he had to work, the, the failings, you know, all the stories that he'd learnt from. And we're going to have them as to how you react and bounce back from them and uh, how you frame it. So... A lot of your language that you talk day to day is around, you know, the red boxing language and, um, you know, it becomes really emotive because all your language then starts to filter into your, all your thinking and your thoughts and your behaviours and everything just becomes consumed in your whole group and, and that's, that's the key the of theming. Give a clear purpose and vision of where you're going and then well, that's what I really love doing is tying it all together, like I said before, the groups and their, their belonging and who we are, and bringing a wider group, your, your partners and your families and your parents and everyone else that's involved. becomes a little bit greater than yourself. That's where the power is. Mm.
0: Yeah, it has that element, and, and you touched on it there, of the connection. Right, where I think we where I think a lot of people go wrong is they understand that we need a vision, we need a cause. Everyone has to have a cause, but it's not as simple as just kind of walking into the locker room and slapping a picture of the trophy on the wall and being like, That's where we're going, boys. It needs to have connection as well. That's what the multiplier is cause and connection, not one or the other. Connection with our cause is great. You'll be great mates and you'll have beers at the pub for the rest of your lives together, but you didn't have a cause and then cause without connection. You're probably going to fall short. Whereas, yeah, like you said, the, the, the theming and just having something like you use the word emotive, having something that actually you can feel in your chest as a, as a result of that, that theme or that cause. Yeah. That that's where the rubber hits the road, I think. Yeah
1: yeah that's the only part that gets me up. I love that yeah, that's the uh that's that, that time on the sub surfing thing of something that, that can connect us together and you know, uh it's pretty special when you get it right well it's very very special, yeah
0: so you come up with them or the boys come up with them or
1: uh, I do you know my creative mind's part of being you know dyslexic and my personality is. I tend to come up with the idea, the great idea and then we've got a small working group that just goes away and um, looks at way how we can uh, integrate it to everything that we do. Uh, and, you know, look, we have a, a thing video that ties it all together. It, it, it will take that narrative on its own journey and um, start imprinting on our own minds where, where we're heading. It's, uh, so there's a, there's a group of us that we've got some amazing skill set and John Gardner is one of them. He's a... It's a Welsh guy. It's come over, and um, I'm, I'm I'm an incredible starter, and, and not a, an amazing finisher. <laughs> and um, he's an incredible finisher. So we went well. <laughs> yeah.
0: Perfect match. Then. At least you know, though, yeah. rather than not knowing and thinking you're both.
1: Oh, you, look I'll go back to my university thing I talked about like what going through and how I worked and how I how how so how I learned how how I got through projects or um, you know exams or essays I learned the way I, I had to get it sorted and, and that's what now I'm going and when we're doing employing people I know what I need for me to help me to, to, to finish it so all my questions are look at me go Matt you put a video together can you um, you know put you know, PowerPoint screens and all that. Mate, I'm here for a rugby one. No, no, I'm, mate, the rugby stuff's all right. I need to know, make sure you can do all the other stuff on the side on top of it. Because if I have an idea, I need you to be able to help me complete it and the understanding of um, the cycle the that's required to put it to team together. And so that's exciting, but at least I know you're right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, Sam Walker, who wrote the captain class, he said to me, we should be thinking in leadership teams or leadership, like, tandems rather than positions. And he's he's right. He's talking about the captain and coach, but I, I took it and I was thinking about it from a staff perspective. And I, I think that's true as yeah. well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. You've got to complement each other and understand you complement each other. How are we going to get the best out of the group and be really... Um, Respectful of other people's skill, skill that they bring, uh, and you just keep telling that story. And and you know, simple things like thinking them all the time and uh, giving them that ability to to go and do it and use those and tr- and trust them. Um, you know, once you set them up to be successful and get away, but that, oh, it's important from on field, off field, in the office, um, you know, at home, all those relationships add up.
0: Mate, thank you so much for this. Usually, I ask people where they can follow along. I don't think you're on social media, so the people can follow along with the Crusaders, perhaps, and uh, and follow you guys as you head towards be heading towards five straight next year. You're aiming for. Well,
1: there's two trophies next year, Cody. That's exciting thing about it. So ah. five and six is on our mind. Uh, it's you know a great opportunity. The group from this year's created for the next year 21 group and uh, wow, you know it's been an incredible run and we're still pretty thirsty
0: love it mate one thing i just wanted to say as well is uh thank you for just being who you are and and uh kind of showing the way i think as someone who tries to think differently as a coach as well i would say you've unknowingly kind of mentored me from afar and I love watching what you do. And, and like I said, how you talk and and how you kind of navigate everything that you go through. So it's a big thank you from me. And then obviously, you know, 45 minutes of of sharing your knowledge with the coaching world as well. So huge. Thank you to you, mate.
1: Awesome. Oh, thanks for being so honest. Um, and thanks for reaching out. Really appreciate everyone on their coaching journey. You know, enjoy it, love it, keep the connections going and, Hopefully cross the one day. Thanks, Razor. Okay.
0: Thanks for listening all the way to the end. This series of podcasts is leading up to the release of my second book, which is called The Tough Stuff, and it'll be available in early 2021. You can get updates by going to my website, codyroyal.com, and hitting subscribe.